So great to see you here this morning, and especially welcome those visiting from out of town. We're glad you came. Trust you enjoy this morning. Got a friend of ours came up to see me, Carice and her family, and uh, so great to have you here. Her father was my first pastor, and uh, sowed into our lives, just a great gifting, and uh, I can remember being around at your place when you were born, <laughs> and we had connections uh, very closely with the family, have done for years. So welcome, great to have you here with us. Great to have other visitors with us too today. Why don't you open your Bible with me, and uh, we're going to look in Philippians chapter 3. I just want to look at uh, three verses. And I want to speak a message, go forward in 2014. Go forward. Go forward. Go forward. You can stay where you are or go backward, but I think it's much better if you go forward. Let's read these uh, few verses uh, in Philippians chapter 3. Brethren... I do, uh, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Here it is now. We just read from here. One thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, reaching forward to the things which are before or ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, as many of us who are mature have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. I want to look at three things that you notice in this scripture here. Number one, the things that are behind, things that are before, and stretching out and pursuing them. And so let's have a look in the, in the scripture there. In the, in the first, first thing we see is in, in looking at this scripture, Paul is talking about things which are behind and things which are ahead. Things which are behind refer to what's been last year. How many know last year's all over? It's never going to come back again. Is that good news or what? That's got to be good news. Last year, there was, there was many challenges in last year. There were many uh, pressures we faced last year. How many found some difficulties in last year? Man, I don't think anyone didn't have that. I was just talking to some pastors from other churches. They had been the most difficult year they'd faced for a variety of reasons. But here's the great news. It's over. Last year's finished. 2013 has gone. So it's all finished. Those are the things which are behind. So there's things we need to leave behind. Leave them behind in last year. They'll never come again, but there's fresh opportunities. There are things which are ahead for us this year. God has planned things for you individually. God has planned things for us corporately. God has planned good things. He says, the way I think to you, the plans I have for you are all good plans. So God has planned some things for you for this year. Some opportunities will come to you this year that didn't come last year. There'll be opportunities to form relationships opportunities to meet new people. There'll be opportunities and challenges arise for you to stretch out and do things you didn't do last year. This year is full of opportunities. And our part is to get a clear focus on what we, how we'll position ourselves to take advantage of what God offers. How will you position yourself to take advantage of what God has planned for you for this year? You can pray all you like, But prayer alone doesn't accomplish things in your life. You have to put action to your faith. You have to start to do things that bring the things of God forward. We don't have to work hard to get God to do good things for us. The Bible says we are already blessed. So as a blessed person, how will you live this year? As a blessed person that God is planning good things for, what would you do? How would you align yourself in the thing that is needed for is clear focus in this coming year. Notice what Paul said, one thing I do. Actually, when you look at it, it's made up of three parts, but he says, one thing I'm doing. So what he's saying is this, 
I have an absolute clear focus in my life. So my first question to you is, do you have a clear focus in your life for this coming year? Do you have a clear focus? His focus consistently was in following Jesus Christ, representing Him, and discovering what He had for Him to accomplish in the earth. So my question to you, do you have a focus for this year? The most common cause of people failing in life is not gifting, it's not talent, it's not money, it's not time. It's actually just this one thing, a lack of a clear focus. Clear focus means I'm saying yes to some things and I'm saying no to other things. So during this year, we will need to define as a church going forward what we'll say yes to and what we will say no to. Saying no to some things means you're saying yes to other things. And if we're going to succeed in any arena of life, whether it's your marriage, your finances, your family, your walk with God, or even as a church or a body people going forward, there have to be things we say yes to intentionally and things we say no to. And so here's a second question to you. What things will you be saying yes to in this coming year? And what things will you be saying no to? Both are very important. Let's go through and have a look then just at these three things in this verse. First of all, there are things to forget. Notice what he says, forgetting the things which are behind. Forget means to get it out of your mind, to stop it being your emotional focus. Or in other words, don't look at the things from last year. Maybe there are many things that came around your life last year, some good, some bad, some great things you achieved and some things you didn't achieve at all. Whatever is around you last year, don't let that fill your mind. That's what he's saying. He said, you make an intentional decision that last year is over. I will loose those things out of my mind. I won't be thinking about all the things I did or could have done. I won't be thinking about the things that I failed in or didn't get done. What I will be doing is focusing on what God has set before me for the coming year. I will forget the things that are behind. Paul had a lot of things to forget. When you read the beginning of this chapter, he talks about all these accomplishments. Well, I was schooled here, and I trained here, and I succeeded here, and I passed those qualifications, and I got all these things done. But he said, all of it I got behind me. I've got something else that's got a grip in my life. He didn't mention some other things, but he had other things that he had to forget. He had to forget that out of religious zeal, he attacked and criticized and threw into jail people who were following Jesus Christ. He needed to forget that he'd put... Christians to death. He needed to forget he'd broken up homes and marriages and families. He needed to forget that he'd stood by and given consent to Stephen, the first martyr, being stoned to death. He had many horrible things to forget. The only way he can forget the failures, the past things, is to bring them to the cross, the place of repentance, the place where Jesus has paid the full price to remove from our life the need to live in regret. The devil will try to keep you this year focused on where you failed, what happened to you, what went wrong for you. He'll keep you focused on the negatives of life. But God wants you to bring those things to the cross, bring them to death on the cross, bring them and leave them there and believe in your heart. They're behind you from God's point of view. They have no part in your future. Paul may well have lived with regret of all the people he'd killed and hurt. You may well live in regret of people you've spoken against or or spoken critically about in last year. But bring it all to the cross. Just bring it to the cross and move into this year without that stuff around your mind, without being conscious of the lacks and failures of last year. 
It's a conscious decision. Our mistakes, our failures, our disappointments have a way of creeping up, coming around us like old clothes, and then causing you to feel bad about yourself. If you find any part of your life where you're feeling bad about yourself, things from last year, things that have been in your past, then bring them out to the light, to the cross, push them back. Say, Jesus has forgotten them, He's forgiven them, I will agree with them, and I will move forward. Sometimes there's restitution, sometimes there's things to be put right. But God's plan is you don't live in the past. You live with a vision and a hope of the future. In Exodus chapter 14, when the people are all in a bit of a panic because they had problems behind them, the Pharaoh's army, the sea ahead of them, mountains on either side, and they began to weep and cry and wail and bemoan their situation, God's word said, don't weep, move forward. Don't weep, move forward. Time of weeping, finish. Move forward. Time to take steps to follow the Lord. So there it is. So here's a thought. What do you need to let go of to go forward this year? What do you need to let go of? What is it that hinders you in walking close to Jesus Christ? That you would say, I need to put that aside this year. In, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, you know, let us run with endurance the race God set before us, laying aside weights, things that hinder us, sins that get around our life. So what is there you need to let go of? Is there some kind of thing, uh, perhaps like Bartimaeus, a beggar's garment, maybe it's self-pity, maybe it's doubt or unbelief. So I need to throw it off my life so I can move forward this year into the things of God. Bartimaeus threw off the beggar's garment and he said, I'm as good as healed. I'm walking into the new things God has for me. So what do you need to throw off? That's a good question to ask. If there's something that God brings, well, bring it to the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you about it and show you how to move forward. How about that? There's something to think about. Here's the second thing. There's things to forget. There's also things to reach out for. Things which are behind, reaching forward to things that are before. That word reach means to stretch out, to extend yourself beyond your comfort zone or your limits. This year, where will you stretch out Extend yourself beyond your comfort zone and the past limits. Where are the areas you will stretch to grow in this coming year? You think of, uh, of the man in Mark chapter 3, and his hand was withered. Jesus came into the synagogue, into the church, and the man was there with a withered hand. It was his right hand. And so that passage is referring the right hand always speaks to power ministry. So this man was withered in his right hand. And as Jesus looked at the man with the withered hand, he was symbolic of a whole church which had turned inward on itself and withered of life. It had become under condemnation and guilt, come under legalism. The church of Jesus' day was not at all like he intended it to be. It was full of rules and regulations. People lived under guilt, bondage, and condemnation. And so they had turned inward on themselves. Isn't it amazing? Jesus' first message that's recorded in the synagogue, the people were all very, very happy. They said, oh, isn't this a wonderful person? Oh, Jesus, the carpenter's son, by the way. Doesn't he speak nicely? That's what they were all saying. He's got a lovely voice. He looks nice up there with that beard and long hair. And he's so full of the word of God and so full of so many wonderful things. And so then Jesus began to speak. 
And he said, well, uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. The he began to describe his ministry. He said, today the Scripture's fulfilled. And they all said, this is wonderful. They thought it was lovely. Messages on the anointing are always lovely. And so then he, he added something to it. He said, well, he said, in the days of Elijah, there were many widows, but there was just a, an unsaved, there was a Gentile widow that God touched and got her saved. And uh, then in the days of Elijah, there was also, there was a lot of lepers. And uh, there was one leper, and he happened to be a Syrian, and he got healed. Now, on that, all these lovely, nice people become furious. I'm not talking about a little bit of furious. They weren't just sort of nice. They actually rose up, and they got hostile. They got angry. They got so full of rage that they took Jesus, the man they said was very nice and speaking very well, by the way, and they drove him. They took him out of the church, and they took him down the road, up onto the hill. They were going to murder him, and a spirit of murder had come on these lovely church people. The question that I asked when I looked at that, what possibly could have got into them to change them from being sweet people come to worship Jesus to people with a murderous, hateful spirit intent on destroying what God had anointed? How's that? And here's what it was. It's very, very simple. Jesus just revealed to them, God is bigger than you lot. God is bigger than you lot, and he doesn't live in your box. God has got a bigger world. And God is interested in people of every nation's, not just you. And God's heart is for people everywhere. God's heart extends to people in every corner of our community. People who are broken, people who are injured, homosexuals, addicts, whatever it is, whatever state people are in, the heart of God is towards them, not just towards the people in His house. That's what got them furious. Religion got them furious because they were caught up with trying to live and do and had to do this and had to do that and blah, 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 blah. And they missed the whole intent of the Bible, which was love people. Love people. Love people. You can't say you love people if you're running them down. You can't say you love people if you intentionally exclude them from your circle of influence. That's not love. That's not love. Love welcomes people, even people with different opinions. Love welcomes people who dress differently, look different. Love makes them welcome and celebrates them. You don't have to agree with people to make them welcome in your world and make them feel you are of great value to God, even if you're sinning and walking away from God. You've got no heart for God. You're still of value to God. People are of immense value to God. And so what Jesus did was he came in and he said, oh, he gave a beautiful scripture and talked about the anointing, which was wonderful. It's a great truth. And then he just popped their little bubble. He said, there you're low in your religious bubble. You love the word of God, but you've missed the intent of it all, which is loving people. And God loves people. And so when Jesus said that God even healed people who weren't Jews, that got them furious. When you hear of God doing things in other places, do you celebrate and rejoice, or does it get you upset? See, 
God wants us to reach out and stretch out of the comfort zone. Stretching out of the comfort zone will mean different things for different people. For some of you, stretching out of your comfort zone might mean that you're stretching out to do some training and education this year. For some of you, stretching out of your comfort zone, maybe you're leaving home and going to university. Whoa! That'd be a stretch for you and for your parents. For some of you, you may be starting out a new enterprise, a new business, some kind of new venture. For some of you, stretching out might mean go and reach out to a few people you haven't met before and be nice to them. Instead of waiting for people to come to you, go out and be friendly to people you haven't met before. Say hello, make a welcome in your world. For you, it might even be that it's really stretching that when you come to church, instead of saying hello to all the people you know, you find someone you don't know, mind smile and make them really welcome as friends. That might be a stretch. It doesn't really matter what the stretch is. For you, your stretch is your stretch. But make a decision to stretch this year in whatever that is. To just move out of where you're comfortable into where you're uncomfortable, depending on God, and are put in a place where whatever's in your heart comes up and you grow. It's great to do that. For some of you, maybe hospitality, having someone into your home. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, just have them into your home. For some of you, it may be that you bring people home and you have them home for lunch and talk with them. It might be a big deal. For some, it's no deal at all. For some, it's a huge deal. Think about it for a month before they do it. I don't know why. Just come home, have soup, and have roast with us, whatever we've got. Just come and share it. It's a matter of stretching and particularly the stretches towards people, stretch towards our community, stretch towards embracing and celebrating people who are different, to reach into them and represent Christ to them. You know, it's interesting that Jesus gave the man the command, stretch, something he couldn't do because he was turned inward and withered up. Friend, I believe in this coming year, God's telling us, turn outward and stretch. Turn upward to Christ and stretch. Turn outward to people, stretch. Get the focus of yourself and the focus of reaching to bring blessing, encouragement, and life to other people. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, oh. Don't get up and want to kill me now. There are lots of things like that in the Bible where they they got mad when, when God tried to do something good. It's quite surprising when God does something good. It's quite surprising when people do something kind of others will find there must be a motive, must be an agenda, and there must be some wrong. No, 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 no. Let's just stretch, stretch out. So God's put some desires in you. He's put some dreams in you. Will you stretch out this year? Will you go out of your comfort zone? See, what are the areas that you are withered in and turned inward that you need to stretch out? What do you need to do? Where do you need to grow and stretch out? What are the areas you need to grow in and go outside your comfort zone? Again, here's the last one here. Here it is, things to pursue. This is what he said in verse 14. He said, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call or high calling of God in Christ. I press. That word means literally pursue, to follow hard after, to persecute. If you persecute someone, you've got your eyes fixed on them, you're chasing them and hunting them down. You know, like when you're going rabbit shooting. That's the same kind of word, you know. You go get out at Rodney's farm and you get on the quad bike there. Now, some of you have never done that, but it is quite an experience. On a quad bike, and especially if Rodney's driving it. It is quite an experience. And you sit on the back there, trying to hold on with one hand, hold a shotgun with the other hand, while Rodney gets in pursuit of rabbits. Sometimes being all I can do to hold on. 
just jumping up and everything. Don't shoot anyone. Make sure I don't shoot anyone, you know. Holding on, bound, 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 all over the thing. And you're hunting down. The rabbit's running this way and that way. That's the word pursue, to hunt it down. I can also remember when those who were pursuing became pursued. Rodney also has bulls out on his farm. <laughs> Some of them are incredibly grumpy. Can I remember being out there one night? And one of the grumpy bulls took exception to us being in the paddock that he was in. And the grumpy bull chased us. And we ran. I said, faster, he's gaining on us. So we were being pursued by the bull. And I'm sure he had one thing in mind, crunching us with his horns and trampling us into the ground. He was very, he was furious. So, but this, you get the idea, pursue, see? I'll tell you one more story. I've got to tell you one more story. Now, when we weren't there, when we weren't there, and this ornery bull got like that with Rod, Rod turned on him, and Rod faced him on this quad bike, and the bull had his head down, and they just both went to one another, like two bulls crashing on. And Rod went right over the top of him. That quietened him down, put him in his place. But the one that chased us, he quietened him down a different way. <laughs> We won't go into those details. But pursue. She knows says, I pursue. See? So every one of us is a race to run in this coming year. We've got a race. You, you have a course God set out for you that's different to every other person, yet together we're on a course together. We have things to do together. So there are th- some things together. Some things are individual, but we all have a race. Here's the thing. It's an individual race. Even if you're married, it's still an individual race. Every one of us is called to pursue Jesus Christ. To pursue Jesus Christ, become a follower of Jesus Christ, is the goal of the believer. We're called. Jesus didn't send us in the world to make Christians. Christians, are, that's a weird name, you know. It covers a whole range of sins. See, we're called to make followers of Christ. Follower of Christ is not the same as a Christian. Christian can be anyone who just happens to call himself a Christian. Follower of Christ is someone who intentionally is pursuing intimacy and obedience. Intentionally pursuing to know Jesus greater and to obey what he has to say. So, that would be a great thing for every one of us to set our course on this year, intentionally pursuing Christ in our personal life. He has planned surprises for you if you will pursue him. He has planned for us. Now, it's not going to make him do anything. He's already done all he needs to do, but we pursue him when we rise, spend time with him, begin to start to center our life on him and his words, and we begin to experience the reality of what he has done for us. I want to share a lot more on how to experience those heavenly realities this year and to carry them in life. But here's the problem. Most of us look around and say, well, what about so-and-so? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because Peter asked it too. In John 21, this is what Peter said. Well, when Jesus said about John and what's going to happen to John, uh, uh, Jesus was telling Peter what's going to happen to him. He said, you're going to follow Christ. You'll lay your life down for me. And Jesus said, well, what about him? Huh? What about him? What about this man? What will he do? And this is what Jesus said. He said, none of your business. It's none of your business what I'm doing in the life of someone else. He said, you follow me. You follow me. It's none of your business the lacks, faults, and failures in someone else. None of your business 
what God is doing in their life. It's their business. In another place, it tells us, mind your business. Now, minding your business means you don't go meddling in things that aren't yours. They're not your responsibility. Some people, it's their whole mission is to meddle in everyone else's life or to have a comment and an opinion about everyone else's life. You're not responsible for their life, so don't have any opinions about it. Just let people be who they are and love them and encourage them to follow Jesus. And so Peter, Peter was told by Jesus, no uncertain terms, he said, hey, listen, mind your business. What's that to you? You follow me. In this coming year, why don't we make it our desire, our intention, that we will discover what it means to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, to become his disciple. How does that work out in my life? How do I put this into action? So here's a couple of things to finish. I'd like the service to come up and just uh, serve communion. I want to ask you a few questions. Just close your eyes now as we just celebrate the, what Jesus has done for us and renew our commitment to this year to him. I want to ask you these questions. First of all, what things do you need to leave behind in this coming year? So we have communion together as we share. Let the Holy Spirit bring them to mind, the things that you need to let go of, things that will just hold you back if you let them. You know, some things you've just got no answer for, hey? So, so the first thing is, what is God saying to me today? What do I need to let go of? Is there any weights, any distractions, any offenses, any things that just hold me back? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to focus on? Are there dreams, visions, hopes that I have for this year? God has got plenty of things. God has got plenty of things. You know, just, just keep your eyes closed for a moment. You know, I just got a text before I came to church that one of my granddaughters had been woken last night with encounters with angels. I thought, well, I never even thought of that. I have been praying for it, but never thought of that. Who would have thought of that? And she was so overcome with it, she couldn't even talk properly about it. But it was very detailed, her engagement with angels. I wonder what God has ahead for you in terms of your experiences with him. What is it you need to pursue this year? Would you make pursuing Jesus, getting to know him and growing in him, would you make that part of what you'll do this year? Will you stretch this year? Stretch in reaching people, stretch in your personal life, stretch in your serving, stretch out of the comfort zone. Instead of saying, well, I can't or that's not me, say, actually, I'd like to stretch this year and see what God can do through me. As we come and just take the bread and the cup right now, they are symbols for us, powerful reminders that Jesus gave everything to you. For all your failures, his blood has covered them. So put aside and let go and forget the mistakes, the failures, the things of the past. Repent of them, bring them under the blood, and don't let the devil remind you of those things again. You are accepted. You are forgiven. He did it. You don't have to do anything to get it except believe. He did it. He's made you accepted. God has qualified you for inheritance in his kingdom. Well, I don't feel like I'm worthy. Well, that's a lie that you're listening to that's affecting your emotions. The truth is God has qualified you this year to walk in blessing, to walk in favor, to walk in prosperity, to walk in peace, to walk in the things of God. He's done it. As you take the blood, know this, that the failures, mistakes, errors, everything that could possibly separate you from the love of God have been already paid for. Receive it. 
As we take the bread together, it reminds us we are connected one spirit with the Lord and one with one another. So why don't we just eat and drink together, thanking the Lord for His goodness today. Oh, the song of the redeemed. The song of the redeemed. To be redeemed means Jesus paid the price for me to come out of sin and failure and shame and all that stuff that so many people live under so I can live a different life, represent Him, carry His kingdom, carry His life. God wants to awaken dreams in my heart and He wants to awaken the visions in me. Wants to mobilize me and you into great things in 2014. Oh, let's take that communion together and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you for your extravagant love. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for serving and giving to us. Thank you, Lord, that there's nothing can separate us from your love. And Lord, we will arise in our heart and say, this year will lay behind us the things that are of last year and the years before, the things that would condemn us and defeat us. Today, we will stretch out to the new things that you have. Today, Lord, we set in our heart to pursue you with passion and to come to know you, to have encounters and experiences with you and to extend your love to the people of our community and to one another. And everyone said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. Let's stand together. Let's sing together right now.